0: Bark at the Moon. Man, so many memories associated with this song. Uh, oh man, <clears throat> I can remember this video vividly <laughs> scaring the daylights out of me. Uh, but I was it was one of those things that was kind of like watching Kiss. I was terrified and yet mesmerized at the same time. There was something about Ozzy Osbourne that just... As a kid, as a as a preteen, you know, growing up in the '80s, it was just a fun time, man. And, and uh, this was a fun song, and I picked it for a reason—not uh, just because I'm an Ozzy Osbourne fan, and um, I mean, uh, more than that, I think it's—it it goes along with the story I want to share with y'all tonight, um, and. I, I, as I said before, and in, in, if you caught the previous episode, this is still The Real Deal Podcast. Uh, this is season three, however, and obviously you notice that I'm, I'm solo. Um, and as I said in the last episode, Scott is uh, is outgrowing his company and, and uh, he's jet-setting all over the country and, and uh, doing all sorts of good things uh, for his business. And so, you know, it was just sort of an unspoken thing that... He was really too tied up to do this. and Because I had the equipment here at my house, it's a lot easier for me to come in here and talk into the microphone for a few minutes and share something and maybe give you something to think about or maybe help benefit you in some way for the week. And so what I thought about, as I, and I know that I'm re-explaining this, but just in case this is the first episode you're catching, go back and listen to the other one uh, from last week. This series, uh, season three, is going to be called Closer to Find." And what I'm doing is, I'm, I'm just going to share some memories that I have and, and some life lessons that I've, I've learned from those things. And I really enjoy telling stories and, and um, you know, especially things that have happened in my life. And, and, you know, if in some way these things can help you with, with something or, or maybe just give you someone to relate to, I hope that's what it does. So, um, welcome. This is the Real Deal podcast. I'm your host, Keith, and this is season three. Closer to find, and tonight's episode is entitled "Bark at the Moon." Now, obviously, I've got a story that goes along with this, and uh, and this is not a childhood memory. Uh, you know, I talk a lot uh, about my kids. Uh, if you listen to the Real Deal podcast at all, season one, season two, I always talk about my kids, and you know, and, and, and part of it is because you know. The, I didn't have that kind of relationship with my dad growing up and so, you know, as, as I became a father and had my own kids, in a very weird way, I gained that relationship, that father-child relationship and I gained it with my kids where I'm the father, they're the kids. And so, it it, it gave me something that I really needed in my life and, I, and I'll tell you, my kids have been my best teachers. and so. You know, this over these next several episodes, you're going to hear stories about my childhood and lessons that I learned there. You're going to hear, you know, stories from you know my teens and my early 20s when I was in my band and things that I learned uh, that way. But I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, the best lessons that I've learned in my life are from my kids. Um, the lives of my children have taught me more about who I need to be as a person than just about my whole life before them combined. And, um, both my daughter and my son are, are are amazing human beings. And, you know, and of course, you know, most dads are going to say that, but I really mean it. (laughs) I really mean it. They, they do. They, they teach me stuff all the time. And my son Cole, uh, tonight, I'm going to tell a story about him. Um, he was always a neat kid. I mean, from, from early, early toddler years, uh, had a, had a, a very funny way of doing his own thing. He's always kind of been his own person where, um, he loves to have the approval of others, but he doesn't really need it. Now I will say this about my daughter too. She's the same way in her own way. She doesn't really seek the approval of others, but, um, but Cole was, was uh he was he was definitely in his own little world and, and um I've got a story I can tell you some other time about his vampire teeth and what that's all about. But tonight I'm actually gonna take it to a different extreme about the time when Cole tried to convince us that he was a werewolf. <laughs> so flashback two thousand and nine or so, um two thousand ten maybe. Cole was little like four and um our family and our extended family uh both uh my household as well as my brother and sister-in-law Mark and Denise uh had all decided to have Thanksgiving in Gatlinburg and so uh we're on the way up there we're driving up and uh you know, like you do uh, on on long drives. You know, you, you you talk about different stuff in the car, and and uh, you get things going. And this was around the time that the Twilight movies were out, um, and my wife was a big fan of of those books, and we had seen the movies, obviously. And so there was a lot of talk at that time about you know uh, Team Jacob or Team Edward or whatever you know, and it was, it's all kind of silly to me because let's be real. The only vampires, or the only time rather, that vampires should glisten in the sun is right before they explode into flames. That's how real vampires operate. But anyway, I digress. We were talking about werewolves and vampires. And if you were able to choose which one you could be, what would you choose? And so, you know, I picked my pick and you know, I thought it would be cool to you know to to be a vampire. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Anne Rice and the Vampire Diaries. You know, where the vampires were you know like real vampires. You know, and um, you know Kelly picked vampires, and um, my daughter Kaya picked vampire. Carlos, uh, my oldest, you know he he picked uh, he picked vampire as well. But then my son Cole, four years old, sitting in the very back of the of the of the vehicle while we're traveling to Gatlinburg. Just very matter of factly says, I am a werewolf. And so it goes dead silent in the car. We're like, you are? He just kind of nods his head with this really confident look on his face. I was like, so you didn't have to choose. You just, you already are a werewolf. He says, yeah. I said, well, you know, it's going to be a full moon this weekend in Gatlinburg. You know what that means? He says, oh, yeah, I know. I know. I'm, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do what I always do. I said, well, what is that? He says, you know, werewolf stuff. I was like, what? Werewolf stuff? What? What is that? He goes, I go around, I scare people. You know, it's a four-year-old talking, you know. And We're all trying not to laugh at him, you know, but it's so funny. And so we're just kind of going along with it, you know. And so... You know, we go we get on up to Gatlinburg, we get with our family and we and, and we begin to tell that story to our family. And so all of my nephews begin to play into this too, that, oh yeah, I'd be a werewolf too, and you know, and, and Cole's like, Well, I am a werewolf. And they're all like, What? you know, and, and everyone's playing along with it, right? And so this goes on for the whole weekend. All Thanksgiving weekend, from you know, from Wednesday on the trip up till Sunday on the way home, Cole's a werewolf, right? And then, you know, we get home and kind of go back to regular life, and nothing else really gets said about it. And fast forward to to 2012, right? So this is like two and a half years later. It's almost it's almost 2013. It's December of 2012. We had just moved here to the Birmingham area uh, to work with the church at Fultondale. And I'm sitting at my desk, I'm working on my lesson for that week, you know, and my back is facing the room and, and, uh, Cole walks up. Now, mind you, this is two and a half years later, Cole walks up behind me and he's a standing there and I'm waiting for him to say something. And when he doesn't say anything, I'm like, what's going on here? Now, my first thought should have been, oh man, he's a werewolf and he's about to kill me. But that wasn't it, right? I turn around and he's got this look on his face like he's broken something. You know, and I'm like, What's the matter, bud? Now I'm sitting here, I'm waiting for him to tell me that he's just broken something of mine or something because he's got that look on his face and he's he's almost crying. And I said, Cool, what's the matter? And he kind of looks away, and he looks back at me and he looks away again and the tears are really coming up in his eyes. I said, son, Cole. And I you know, I, I put my hands on his shoulders, and I'm like, hey, what's the matter? And he looks me dead in the eyes, and his little voice is shaking. And I know that he's about to tell me something that is so hard for him to say. And he looks right at me, and the t- tear falls out of his eye. And he says, dad, I'm not really a werewolf. And you could have heard a pin drop <laughs> because it was all I could do, not to bust out laughing. But man, what the thing that stopped me was the sincerity in his eyes and the little tears that were just welling up. And and I said, Oh, bud, I I know. And I just grabbed him and I hugged him, and his little body just collapsed into me. He was like, it was like the weight of the world was lifted off his shoulders. And I said, son, I, you know, and he's like really like, like he's having a moment where his emotions are finally releasing. And I thought to myself, man, how long have you been carrying this around? Well, two and a half years. And I said, son, I, I pulled him away and I looked at him in the eyes. I said, son, I said, Cole. Son, we knew you weren't a vampire. We knew you were just playing with us. But he had thought he had lied to us. And my six-year-old little boy became a man that day because he had an attack of conscience. Or maybe it was just his conscience awakening, but either way, he had a moment where he had decided he couldn't carry this burden any longer and he had to come and tell me he had to confess his sin. And man, I I tell you, it moved me and what a lesson it taught me that my six-year-old son was doing what grown Christian men sometimes refuse to do. And that's tell the truth. Confess tell the truth, and ask for forgiveness. And I thought to myself, wow, this is a lesson that everyone needs because the courage it must have taken him just to walk from his bedroom into my office and and lay this burden at my feet and clear his conscience. I mean, that's what a real man does. And my six-year-old son Show me that day his heart. And I will just tell you, ever since then, I have said that my son has the heart of a lion. Fierce and yet frail. And it's just beautiful to see that on display. In Acts chapter 24 in the Bible, verse 16 the Apostle Paul says, I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. And so here's what I really want to lay on you tonight. It's not just the fact that we had a cute moment with my son where he tried to convince us that he was really a werewolf and didn't know that we knew he was not really a werewolf and the fact that he held on to that burden for two and a half years and finally when he couldn't carry the weight of that anymore, he came and laid it at my feet and, and asked for forgiveness. And, and you could just feel the relief in his little body when he fell into me. <laughs> and I had to think to myself, man, I bet that felt good. I bet that was amazing. Amazing that he no longer had to carry that burden with him. And so what I want to ask you tonight is, what's that worth to you? How heavy are the burdens that you're carrying that you could just easily let go? Now, I know when I say easily, I know it's not easy. But if my six-year-old son could muster up the courage to come and confess what he thought was an untruth to me... <clears throat> Can't we do the same thing? Can't we carry those burdens to the Father? Can't we take the short walk from our room to his office and lay those burdens at his feet? And, and and as the Apostle Paul says, take pains to have a clear conscience toward God and man. Man, what's that worth? I want you to think right now about something in your life because I know it's there. We all carry unnecessary baggage. And sometimes we wear our guilt around our neck like it's some sort of metal. But it's just a weight and it will drown you if you don't take it off, set it down, and walk away from it. What is it in your life? What's your werewolf? I mean, I couldn't think of a better metaphor than that whenever he came and confessed that he wasn't a werewolf, that he'd been carrying around this wild animal in his little conscience for two and a half years. I can't imagine what that did to him in his little six-year-old mind. What's it do to you and yours, whether it's a 20-year-old mind or a 30-year-old mind or 40, or maybe you're 50 like me or older? You know, you don't get better at it. I think sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking that we get better at hiding. We get stronger carrying that around, but we don't. You know, I've 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 read somewhere and I can't remember who said this, that it's not the weight that wears you down, but it's how you carry it. Aren't you tired? Whatever it is, aren't you tired? don't you want to set that down? Well, I'm going to encourage you to do that. I'm going to encourage you to follow the example of my son, who's now 16, by the way. And you know what? He still has the same heart. He still will confess when he's wrong. He still gets that little shake in his voice when he does it. And it's all I can do not to lose it. And me start welling up with tears when he does because it's it's just the most pure and beautiful thing that a, that a man or a woman can recognize their fault. They can confess. They can ask for forgiveness and they can set that weight down and walk away. So how about you? Aren't you ready? Aren't you ready to set that down? I hope you are. You know, it's funny. um, We go through life a lot pretending that we're okay. You know, we pretend that we're okay and sometimes we wish for a different life or a better life or whatever. But let me lay this on you. If I were to offer you a million dollars, I'm pretty sure you'd all take it. If I said, hey, here's a million dollars, You don't have to do anything for it, but you have to just take it. You'd all take it. I mean, I would. I would. I would absolutely take it. And what if I upped it, though? What if I said, now here, I'm going to offer you $10 million, but you don't get to wake up tomorrow. I'm pretty sure none of you would take that deal. Why? Well, and it's because you're not going to wake up. So you're telling me that waking up is more important than $10 million? And the answer is obviously yes. Then why do we dread it every day? Why do we look at tomorrow as some impossible hurdle to carry when we ought to be looking at life as something to be lived? With the odometer maxed out and our floor to the metal on the floor? Don't let the burden of something keep you from what tomorrow ought to be. Set it down today and walk away from it. I hope this has been helpful. I hope this has been something that will give you something to think about. And if nothing else, I hope that it it made you smile just a little bit. But at any rate, whatever your werewolf is, you don't need it. And if a six-year-old can do it, you can do it. Set it down. Walk away from it tonight or today or whenever you're listening to this. And start your journey to get closer to fine I'm Keith I hope this has been good see y'all next time peace I want you